This is Puck Year, New Zealand's hockey podcast with hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury, bringing you the best stories and interviews from down under. One of the favourite people that we got to meet during the NZHL season this year had to be Travis Crickard, who came down from Canada from the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, he was coming to New Zealand to learn from the All Blacks um, ab- about coaching and improve his his um, his mindset and his skills there. But he also stumbled upon our, our league down here and he came along with the Botany Swarm and he joined us on the podcast. Uh, which is actually only probably about two podcasts ago now because we took that that long ass break during the season um, But we got to chat to him again before he left uh, To go back to Kelowna, but unfortunately, it's just me this time Because Joe once again super busy with his work. It's way on one of those stupid work trips uh, and I was really gutted I knew It was kind of working out that it was gonna be this day and I looked at the studio and I was like God fucking damn it yeah but um it had we had to get him before he he left and i'm super stoked that you got to speak to him yeah uh i mean he's obviously he's done a lot in a very short amount of time uh for new zealand hockey and now you're seeing the likes of um josh kretschmer is he's gonna be helping out the rockets as a stats analyst which is freaking awesome opportunity for a, a guy who works his ass off for the botany swarm so it's cool to see him being afforded an opportunity like that. And I know he's going to take it with both hands and run with it. And he will do awesome. And I hope to see more awesome things from him in the future. But um, yeah, this is my chat with Travis. And we just sat down on my couch, got cozy. And we, we talked about the season and uh, the upcoming Kelowna Rocket season. So enjoy. Uh, Travis, welcome back to Puck. Yeah, it's uh, really good to have you back at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I didn't expect time to go by this fast. I, I remember leaving our previous podcast talking about the possibility of doing this again before I left, and that seemed so far away when we talked about it, but here we are, and unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to frame it, uh, here I am a uh, day before I'm about to head back to Canada. Yeah, um, it is it is crazy how like in New Zealand our season is only three to four months long versus you know you coming from Kelowna there with the WHL obviously a lot longer. How does that you know how does that differ for you as a coach coming in and it's just like this really quick burst rather than a long grind? Really, really different. I, I think that in Kelowna we have a 72 game schedule where essentially the first 36 games you can use to really hone in on the development of players uh, especially your first year players whereas here 16 games it's a complete sprint you don't get that length of time to spend on development you have to kind of force as much as you can into your teaching in a short period of time and it almost at times I think it might have felt like drinking water through a fire hose because we had such a short amount of time through training and games to to teach the players what we wanted to get across so very different in that regard but pretty cool experience for me as a coach Uh, something completely different something I hadn't really done before and I think I'm going to take a lot of uh, 
great experience and like valuable learning opportunity away from it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough end for the season uh, for the Swarm. You know, getting shut out in the, both games there. I was there. I was rooting for you guys to beat the the Stampede. Um, but what was the mood like there in that dressing room after that second defeat on the Sunday? It was it was an interesting mood. I think I think the guys were as you all would, would would expect that they would be disappointed in the in the final outcome of the season, but. I got the sense that everyone was having fun playing hockey, and I alluded to that after the game. I told the guys that I don't think I've ever smiled or laughed so much on the bench as I have in my time with the Swarm, just because those guys truly seemed like they were having fun playing hockey. And the other thing, too, is for me the coach and a lot of people might listen to me say this and think I'm the worst coach ever but despite being shut out in that game and the score being a significant margin I actually thought that that was our best played game of the year we had a lot of offensive opportunities in that game a lot of sustained pressure we just couldn't score any goals and it seemed like whenever we made a mistake they scored a goal and that was kind of the tale of especially the last two games for us. But uh, I guess the the moral victory for me would be the fact that the team was playing the way that I had asked them to play. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong there because I remember when we were talking, um, you know, after the game there, the Swarm had their little, like, you know, thank you party for the fans and the supporters, which I'm sure probably helped the Swarm, you know, with their mindset. I guess they can kind of reset and they're like, okay, the game's over. We can just have fun and just like hang out with our friends and family. Um, but I did see um, a marked improvement throughout the season of this team. Uh, one thing I found really interesting is obviously the Swarm, kind of previously, we've talked about it before, that they rack up penalty minutes. They've been Ill, you know, ill-disciplined and that's really hurt them in the past. Uh, just looking at last year, 424 penalty minutes. This year, only 280 so Swarm have gone from the second most to the second least in the league. Is that, um, how much of that do you think is you coming in and obviously Ian Wanamaker coming in and as the new head coach, do you think that has an impact on the way these players play and you know, improves their discipline? I think it was just a, a, a collective change in mindset. My feeling when I first got here was that the... NZIHL officiating crew never have never really had a, a ton of opportunity to develop their abilities, uh, much uh, much like the players get. So unfortunately, some mistakes were ha- were made throughout games, or too many penalties were called. So one thing that we talked a lot to the players about was that there are certain things that are going to be called regardless of whether we think it's a penalty or not everyone who has played for the swarm in the past know that this is going to happen so let's just move on from it and worry about what we can control we can't control if mistakes get made because hey it's a fast game the officials on the ice are responsible for five skaters per side and two goaltenders so 12 per 12 total it's a lot to ask and Obviously, they don't get to officiate as many games as, say, an official does in North America. So the the learning curve 
is going to be slower because the more you do something, the faster you learn. <clears throat> so unfortunately, they don't have that opportunity. So we just need to focus on what we can control, and that's playing the game and playing through whether it's a penalty or not. <clears throat> and I think the guys really bought into that, and uh, probably the best man to help the team buy into that was our captain, Andrew Hay. He really reinforced that message. Now, yeah, speaking of the guy, like guys like Andy, um, your title says assistant coach, but, you know, you've also, yourself and, you know, your lovely wife, Nellie, you've put on management hats as well um, and really helped out the team a lot. Um, it, and it seems like both of you and Ian, you've had a significant impact on these players. Um, in what sort of condition do you think you're leaving the Swarm um, once you leave? I think that I'm leaving it in a position where the Swarm organization, board members and players feel comfortable about the future of the team. We had a, a great, I guess, exit meeting with the, the board of directors where we reviewed the season that was and uh, what I suggest the team do in the future. Uh, we had a great conversation about everything that went on this year and how we can make it better and i really feel like everyone is on board with trying to continue what we started this year in order to bring not just one year worth of success to this team but uh continued success and speaking of that um obviously being here the last three four months what are some of like your biggest takeaways from your experience here uh, in new zealand in Hockey or anything? Well, we'll start with hockey and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll go to like broader parts of New Zealand, I guess. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I think throughout the year there were some things in the hockey that happened that I remember saying to Ian or some of the players that I had never seen this happen before, but they did. Um, funny, bad, good, whatever you want to call them. But the the league itself it's it's a pretty cool thing it's it's a small league i think it's growing but it's such a tight-knit community of like hockey enthusiasts it's incredible to know that being in a country where hockey is so far down the i guess totem pole of <laughs> sports um it's pretty cool that there are pockets throughout the country on the north island and south island that People actually enjoy the game. People are trying to learn the game. A great example of that is I went to uh, Tikapo in, man, I don't even remember when it was. It might have been July or late June. And I ran a session for the, uh, I think it was the under 18 and under 15 group uh, for McKenzie Ice Hockey. And the five coaches on the ice only one of them actually played hockey before the other four had cricket rugby uh, very uh soccer background so they didn't know a whole lot about hockey so they wanted me to go out there and not only teach the teach the kids but teach them how to be better coaches for the kids so uh, i think the sport is definitely growing and i'm excited to know that people from various sporting backgrounds are trying to get interested in hockey whether their kids are in it or not um so that was really cool for me to see that it it's growing 
despite the fact that there's only a handful of indoor rinks throughout the country so far. What, uh, speaking of like Lake Tekapo, what is, what was your reaction to seeing that outdoor setting there? That was so cool. That, that was definitely, uh, one of my favorite experiences. I remember being out on the ice and just looking up cause it was dark out and seeing all the stars while, while the, uh, group was training and I was able to get a couple pictures afterwards with the group and uh, Natalie was there too so I brought her out on the ice for a picture and yeah that that might have been one of my favorite all-time practices I've ever run because I've never done that on an outdoor rink before so it was really cool. Did it kind of remind you a bit of being back home like in that kind of setting? Yeah absolutely I mean uh, not so much in Kelowna but prior to Kelowna uh, living in Ottawa there are so many outdoor rinks there you, you walk a couple blocks and there there seems to be an outdoor rink everywhere so it really reminded me of that feeling of just being able to walk to an outdoor rink and jump on the ice and play a game or just skate around it was really interesting the one funny part of the tikapo was i remember i was explaining a drill and i was telling the the players that they need to start on the face-off dot and it was it was pretty snowy on the ice and it was dark and I looked down and I could not see the dot anywhere. So uh, and I remember saying, okay, let's start at the dot and I'm looking down and all the kids just started howling, laughing at me. And one of the kids looked at me, he's like, we don't have dots here. So, but yeah, it was really it was so much fun. I mean, it's it's not that different really in our outdoor rinks. I mean, you look at I mean, same maybe aside from Queenstown who. You know, they get rid of the ice in the summer and they repaint it going into like the NZHL season. Pretty much all the other rinks, their lines are, they're very faded. Was that like obviously quite a new experience for you? Like when you're in the game, is it hard to kind of see where things are because you don't really see those lines sometimes? Yeah, they're, they are really faded. I noticed that. I mean, that's, that's interesting you brought up, that up about Queenstown. I just figured that every rink would follow that same process melt the ice, repaint the lines, and then freeze the ice again. But yeah, I, now that you mention that, I, I do remember thinking that some of the lines were rather faded and you couldn't really tell where they were. That's, that's especially in, uh, I think it was Canterbury. Yeah. Yeah, I think, because uh, obviously um, Queenstown, yeah, they do, they don't shut down. They actually play like bull hockey uh, in the summer. But, um, yeah, all the other rinks, you know, obviously it's, it's, I guess it's not like Kelowna and, you know, North America where the rinks are pretty much strictly hockey rinks or like curling or whatever. Um, and then in the off season, it's, they kind of like shut down. It's all year round. I guess people in New Zealand like to go skating in the summer. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I just, that's one thing I do love about Queenstown is just how much love and care they put into their rink. And it's quite a strong solid hockey focus and like you i'm sure you would have seen that going down um to the like to queenstown playing the stampede what kind of atmosphere was that like for you on the bench when you when you, you and the swarm played the stampede it was freezing cold in there i i've gotten a little soft uh coaching in Kelowna has allowed me to coach in warmer rinks so i had to learn how to um put on some merino underneath my suit for the games um but yeah it was cool because it kind of reminded me of um like a small town junior hockey kind of feel in canada 
a few more fans, not just kind of the the family and friends and the odd fans. There were there were actually like pockets of hockey fans in in the arena, and I guess in Queenstown that would kind of be the only game in town. I would suspect there's not a a big rugby team or anything like that there. So, yeah, it was really cool. It was loud, and with the rink being uh, seemed to be a little smaller than the other rinks uh it really helped kind of um make the noise sound louder whenever they cheered or booed or anything they had to say so i really enjoyed that atmosphere it was cool and um when you do go back to you know Kelowna, what and people ask you oh you know how was your time in new zealand like hockey down there what are you going to say to them dream come true yeah it was this whole experience for me coming here and coaching with this group and kind of learning about the way ice hockey operates in New Zealand. It's been so much fun. Selfishly for me coming into this, one of the things I wanted to take away from it was learning how uh, to coach grown men. I spent a lot of time in Kelowna teaching young men how to be men, whereas here they're already grown men. So I wanted to know was there much difference between kind of the age groups and th- while there are not a, a ton of differences, the one thing that I did notice was, and I think I'm going a little bit off track here, but I do want to make this point. The one thing that I did notice is that when you coach young men, you always aspire to have a certain kind of leadership in terms of a captain or leadership group. You, you always want to have that kind of captain that you see in the movies, the, the great leader. And you don't always quite get that just because the guys are younger and they're trying to make an impression on the coaches, but they're also trying to make an impression on their teammates because they're all the same age. Whereas here, I learned that it is possible to have that kind of captain and leadership that you want, uh, that you see in a movie. And I saw that through Andrew Hay. Um, he possesses that rare form of leadership that I talk about every coach aspires to have. And that was probably my biggest takeaway from coaching men. Uh, It's that as men grow older, they're not so concerned about whether someone is your friend or you want someone to like you. It's about respect and it's about doing what you believe is best for the team and being an extension of the coaching staff. And that's Andrew Hay. And that was what I found was the, the best thing that I'll take away from coaching men. I think we're hyping up uh, Andy here a lot. He's going to love this. Uh, but speak, speaking of grown men, Jordan Chalice has uh, had an incredible year. Uh, I mean, he's 36, but he's he's looking like he's just turning 20 out there with some of the skills and plays he's been pulling off this year. Um, Do you think he's a player who's benefited from having a new coaching staff this year? Did you say he's 36? 26. 26, okay. (laughs) Maybe with that beard he looks 20, 36, but no, he's 26. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I think think it, it has helped in the sense that we had a we had a group this year that really felt comfortable with communicating with our coaching staff and that was a a big thing for me coming here not knowing anyone i really wanted to try to establish trust amongst the group 
and I I think the guys already had their trust in Ian because they knew him and that uh, some of them had played with him. And the one thing I noticed with Jordan was that he had enough trust in us as a coaching staff to come and provide suggestions as to who he thinks would work best with who within the lineup or power play or anything like that. And then we as coaches, I think especially Ian had enough humility to, uh, to be willing to listen, to, not only listen to Jordan's suggestions, but actually use them. And I think Jordan uh, personally reaped the rewards because of that, because sometimes he would come and say, hey, I think we should try this. And then Ian would say, okay, let's do it. And, and then we would try it. And then we would have success because of it. And yeah, I think the, the new coaching staff definitely played some form of role in his success. But at the end of the day, it is the player. The player is the one who goes out and plays the game. And I, I, I'm willing to say that a lot of that is because of him. Now, obviously, I guess you're not coming back next year, right? <laughs> um, well, I want to come back. Yeah. Can I come back? I don't know yet. So, um, obviously, I keep saying obviously, it's annoying, sorry. Uh, with, with Ian, it's his first time coaching as, you know, at this level, being the head coach with the Botany Swarm. What are your impressions of Ian in that role? It was, uh, it was cool for me to kind of watch him in his first season of, of coaching. It reminded me a little bit of myself when I first got into coaching. Just try to absorb as much information as you can, uh, ask as many questions as you can, and then try to make it into your own thing, what you've learned. Um, so... I am actually quite excited to see whether I'm here or not next year. I think I'm, I would be more excited to see how Ian does without me here because then he can truly make it his own. He, he spent a lot of time asking me what I would do in certain situations. And, and I think now it's time for him to do what he thinks is best in certain situations. I think we had enough opportunities to learn together as a group that I think he's well suited to take the job on by himself now I hope that if if I um, I'm not able to return that he does have someone by his side assisting him uh, through the process but I yeah like I said I think we spent enough time uh, at training prior to training prior to games and a heck of a lot of time on the phone deciphering game plans and talking about certain situations and philosophy that he's well suited and prepared to to continue in this role i like that because i i mean yeah ian is he's a great guy and i it's out of everything i wrote this article earlier this year about wanting to see the auckland team succeed because over the past aside from the last couple of years the admiral's doing pretty well making the finals uh two years in a row uh, the Auckland teams have kind of uh, suffered at the hand of the Southern teams. And um, it seems like things are starting to pick up. You know, uh, the Swarm are looking really good. The Animals are obviously looking really good. But uh, it was a really cool year for both teams because you were playing at Spark Arena for the Ice Hockey Classic. Curtain Razor for Canada versus USA. 
Uh, obviously not like the big team Canada versus USA, but still really cool seeing the likes of like Peter Holland, you know, Byron Fraze there. Um, quality NHL players coming down to New Zealand. How was that experience uh, for you and for the boys in the Swarm locker room amping up before the game and you're stepping out onto that ice? Well, before I, I get into that, I think you forgot to mention the goaltender for Team USA in Queenstown, Joel Rinlob, the star goaltender. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to your question. You know what? I think our team, when we went out on the ice, we were super nervous for some reason. Uh, the Admirals potted a couple of quick goals, I recall, and then we called a timeout to just settle the guys down. I think it was... Yeah, it was a really big deal for our group. I think it was a really big deal for the Admirals. I think it was a really big deal for everyone who's involved in uh, ice hockey in New Zealand. And it was, I think it was a lot of fun too for the guys. Like I, I saw a lot of guys with smiles on their faces, really enjoying the game. I wish that they have this opportunity more often. I'm not sure how often the that Canada-US series comes to New Zealand, but I think that would be something that the guys should be able to experience on an annual basis. I know it's it's a lot of work to set up a rink like that. I'm, I, I can only imagine, especially the, the, the planned game in Wellington as well, but to be able to play in an arena of that size and in front of a crowd of that magnitude, because it was a much larger crowd than you would typically experience at um, Botany or Avondale. It, I think it was one that our players will remember forever, especially when they're finished playing and they look back as to what were some cool moments that would definitely be up there for them. Uh, I think, I mean, there's rumblings that it will come back to New Zealand. Uh, I know the organizer, Kerry Goulet, loves New Zealand and, you know, obviously was very appreciative of the support that the event got. Because um, I was really surprised that, you know, a lot of, considering the start time for their Admiral Swarm game, uh, I think it was, what, 3 p.m. on a Friday, might have been 4 p.m. And a lot of people turned out. So, there are these, like you say, these pockets of fans, but there is all, there seems to be all these hockey fans like hiding in the woodwork and they all came out for that night. Um, I just saw, I saw a ton of Vancouver Canucks jerseys that night and it's just, there was a lot of it. But um, yeah, if it comes back to New Zealand, hopefully it does and they get the NZHL teams involved again. Um, you haven't experienced it now. What would you like to see done differently to try and improve things and, you know, just generally hoping and making this event bigger and better mm. that is a good question you know what i've seen these kind of things done before and the one suggestion i would have would be to leave the whole thing in auckland and have all the nzhl teams in auckland do a whole weekend out of it whether it's kind of three games canada u.s and then have all the NZHL play, uh, teams play against each other. Uh, each team plays two games on the weekend. Make it like a big ice hockey festival in Auckland. And I think it would probably draw even better just because you have all the NZHL teams there. So you're, you're probably going to get all their families and friends involved in the Auckland area too. And, I mean, Auckland is the biggest city in 
in New Zealand, and I think that it's it's very spread out. And like you said, there are these kind of pockets of hockey fans, but let's all try to bring everyone together, bring more awareness to the fact that there is a a great league in this country. I remember after our game against the Admirals, a lot of our players were standing outside um, with kind of vouchers to come to our games to promote the Swarm and the NZIHL. And a lot of people didn't know what the NZIHL was. So... Let's bring it all to Auckland, Canada, USA, three straight games, and bring all the ends at IHL teams and just have one big hockey festival. Let's do it. That sounds so awesome. Like, I would love to see that. Um, there is this thing, like, obviously, um, for years now, it's kind of always been the way that when bands and artists come to New Zealand, they would only go to Auckland. They do go to, like, Wellington and Christchurch now a little bit, and sometimes Dunedin. Uh, for some reason, Ed Sheeran always goes to Dunedin. But... Um, you know, there's always that complaint that Auckland gets everything, but yeah, like you say, it biggest, it, you know, it's what, like a quarter of the population lives in Auckland. Uh, I would love to see that. And, but yeah, we mentioned, um, well, you mentioned sadly the Wellington game didn't happen. It could have been this amazing, amazing thing. Um, but you know, obviously a few, few situations went the wrong way and it didn't happen, but there were squads named for that Ice Blacks versus NZHL All-Star game. You've got a grit on your face because we've talked about this already. Um, and you you had a few criticisms about that selection process. So you, what were they again? <laughs> How did I know you were going to bring this up? Well, uh, I don't remember all of the constructive criticisms I had, but... My concern was that it was an Ice Blacks team, which is supposed to be the the best that New Zealand has to offer, versus an NZIHL all-star team. And having been around or watched all-star games uh, of the NHL or American Hockey League or or any league, the NBA, whatever whatever league it is, each team in the league is represented on that all-star team. And when I saw the roster for that team, I noticed that there were only three teams represented, the Stampede, the Red Devils, and the Admirals. There were no players on that NZHL All-Star team from the Dunedin Thunder and Botany Swarm. So for me, that's not that does not provide an accurate representation of the league. I think it provides a representation of three teams. And for any new hockey fan, I guess you could say, in New Zealand... If they were to go to that game, open up, I would suspect there would be some kind of game program that says who the players are, where they're from, what team they represent. They would look at that team and they would only see three teams. So then the new hockey fan would think, oh, I guess there's only three teams in this league, whereas there are five. And I I would suspect that the league wants to keep expanding. So why not have a representation of all five teams so that if that new hockey fan is at that game in Wellington, but then they're in Dunedin on a weekend 
then they would know that Dunedin has a team. Oh, I can go watch uh, NZIHL game there. Why not have an, a representation from each team? So to me, that that really bothered me because, again, I would suspect that everyone wants ice hockey to grow. I would suspect that the league itself wants to expand and grow. And in order to do that, you need to have representation of every team. Because, come on, there's good enough players on the Thunder and the Swarm to have been named on that team. Yeah, um, and I mean, obviously, from that selection uh, with the All-Star team, a lot of them were actually imports. Um, and I I know from like our previous discussions that you felt that it should have been not really about the imports because I guess a lot of them, uh, especially the North American ones, you know, outdoor games are kind of becoming a dime a dozen over there. I'm not so sure about the European players, uh, but you you told me that you felt that it should have been strictly New Zealand players? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I think I said, yeah. So in North America right now, whenever there's a, an NHL outdoor game, which there are a ton now, there are also other teams that are in the area of wherever that outdoor game is occurring. They're having outdoor games too. So there's uh, major junior teams doing outdoor games. There are uh, NCAA teams that are doing outdoor games, American Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League. So there are lots of opportunities for outdoor games. Not saying everyone is playing an outdoor game, but there are far more opportunities than here in New Zealand. So my thought process was, yes, we want to make the NZIHL All-Star team to appear to be the best the NZIHL has to offer. However, there are a lot of players in this league who have, I guess, paid their dues for five to who knows, 15 years. And it's a once in a lifetime thing. They are pretty good players in the NZIHL. So why not have those guys in the league or in the league, in the game? That was, that was my thought prospect thought process behind it <laughs> well i guess uh i mean yeah it's it's unfortunate that it never happened and i don't i don't know what the like likelihood is of it actually happening again probably not in wellington that westpac stadium it's just it's this bowl as soon as you get some wind it just circles around um dunedin probably a better option it's still outdoors but it's covered um but getting back to uh, both Kelowna and Botany um, with you heading back there could you see yourself in the future sending former Rockets players down to Botany to fill those import slots I'm definitely going to try uh, one thing that we talked about in our end of the year meeting with the organization was that I'm going to remain on the the swarm staff or hockey operations staff as uh, like the head of import recruitment and uh, in an advisory role for the coaching staff because one thing I want to make sure of is that the team is getting the highest quality of imports and if I can persuade a couple former Rockets of mine to to head down to New Zealand and and play in this great league and experience this great country for a few months that would be amazing yeah I mean 
It'd be awesome. And I, I know there's also, is it Mickey Rhodes? Um, like he's in North America and he's scouting and stuff for the Swarm as well. Uh, I never had a chance to meet uh, Mickey Rhodes via like in person or via phone or email or anything like that. So I'm not totally certain what uh, his current role is with the organization. I apologize. <laughs> All good. Uh, but speaking with like import slots, what are your views on the way uh, NZNHL teams currently recruit those players and implement them into the lineup? Uh, well, the f- in terms of implementing imports into the lineup, I would I would love to see the model that uh, the UK is currently using over here. So in the UK, but it really had it's the NZHL or New Zealand ice hockey really needs to get all the coaches on board with this. So in the UK, in their national league, which is uh, a step just below the elite league. Mm-hmm. Imports are not allowed to play with each other. So uh, the question that always arises, well, how do you police that? You police that by getting all the coaches on board with the fact that if you have a, a line of three forwards and two defensemen, it can only feature one import. Then when you have the next line go out of three forwards, two defensemen, then another import is out there. So what happens is if there's a power player penalty kill you don't you give your national players so your kiwi players an opportunity to learn how to play on power play learn how to play on penalty kill but also you give them an opportunity to raise their level of play because they are having a chance to play with someone from overseas who perhaps is uh a better passer or a better shooter or a faster skater. So it helps them raise their level as well. I would really love to see this league or this country adopt that. I don't think it needs to be policed by officials. I think it's just a meeting needs to happen between the, the perhaps the federation and the coaches and just talk about it. How can we make this work? Because at the end of the day, if I recall correctly, in reviewing the events manual of the league or the Auckland Ice Hockey Association, one of the missions is to improve the players for the national team. And as we're seeing right now, uh, Great Britain's team just qualified for the top division in the world championships. So to me, that says they're doing it right. I think they they should adopt something like that here in order to improve uh, the the caliber of ice hockey in the league and of the national players. In terms of the uh, recruitment of the players, I cannot speak for other teams. I'm not totally sure what they're doing. For us with the Swarm, we need to be better at communicating with our imports as to what to expect when they get here. That would be the first thing that we need to be better at. How do you think um, How do you think the Botany imports went this year? You know, the like you've got Declan Ware, Harry Ferguson, um, obviously Joel Rindelab, import, but kind of not an import. Um, you know, how do you think they feared coming here uh, to Botany? I think they fit in with our group real well. I, I mean, I think that's a testament to the the kind of 
men that we already had on the team, the the local players, they did a fantastic job of welcoming them in to the team. And I think that the those guys, Lucas Harry and Declan fit in rather well with our group. And I mean Joel, I think he has been here for a while. I know that he was playing in the uh, the backyard hockey league with the guys, so he was already pretty familiar with them. And, I mean, he's, I think, pretty much everyone in New Zealand already knows who he is based on his, <laughs> uh, he's a goaltender, he's a, he's a scientist, he's a professor, he's a movie actor, he's in music videos, he has a food show. Like, who would not know this guy? I just realized I forgot Colin Langham. Uh, I feel really bad because I really liked Colin as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, Colin uh, was originally in Queenstown and he moved up to Auckland. Uh, he's here for, I, w- I would say, an extended period of time for work. And pretty cool. Once he found out that there was hockey here, he had his equipment sent over and joined the swarm. And uh, uh, another great guy. I really enjoyed my time with Colin. He was very professional around the rink. I th- uh, I think back to uh, one particular game where he wasn't actually dressing. Uh, that was the Spark Arena game, and probably very disappointing for him not to be dressing. However, he made himself very valuable to the team. He helped out uh, the staff in any way he could to help set up for the game. I think a lot of a lot of players in that position would probably distance themselves from the team because they're upset they're not playing, but he was very professional about it. And that goes a long way for me uh, as a coach. That's awesome. Good on you, Colin. I hope he comes back as well because, uh, you know, he's just a good Georgia kid. Um, <laughs> but who are, who are some players on that current uh, Swarm roster? I'm just talking about the New Zealand players specifically here that you uh, as the assistant coach would identify as being key players, uh, say, for the national team in the next five or so years? Oh, for the next five or so years. Because, hmm. I mean, obviously you've got the likes of Andy Hay and stuff who've been around a while, but you've got a few interesting younger players coming up too. Yes, we do. Uh, Logan Frazier was recently named to the to the team for the Trans Tasman series against Australia. And he's a guy, he's had some experience playing over in Canada. And I think he improved a lot this year. I would I would really like to see Logan make a commitment to improving um, his fitness level. And I think then the sky's the limit for him in terms of being a, a consistent ice black, but not just being a member of the team, being a key member of the team. If he can do that, I think he would be a very valuable asset to this country because over the course of the season, I saw a significant improvement in his skating, his passing, and his willingness to to join the offensive play and, and shoot the puck. So he would probably be the first one. I mean, we already have kind of touched on uh, the regulars and Andy and Jordan, and uh, there's also Alex Polozov and Josh Hay. They've kind of been there for quite some time. I know they're they're kind of getting up there in age, uh, if you will. I'm I'm not saying that they're old by any means because I'm probably old, actually older than they are. But uh, in terms of hockey playing, 
I think they have still have another five, six, seven years in them. So they'll be there. And a couple other guys, I think, who have been there and probably should deserve another opportunity to be there would be Remy Sandoy and Jamie Lawrence. I know that Jamie is, is moving away for a year or, or more, uh, doing some travel and some work overseas. But I think those two guys... I know they've been in the program already, but they were two very good defensemen for our group in Botany, uh, perhaps some of the most valuable. And I think those guys are, are worth another look. And before we finish this quick part, I, I need not forget Oliver Hay. I think he's probably uh, going to be the stud of that back end for the Ice Blacks for many years to come because uh, not only is he an exceptional skater, he, having a background as a forward, he has that kind of offensive mind that you want from a defenseman because you can't just rely totally on your forwards to create offense. Now, do you think, because um, I know, say, with like the WHL and like Kelowna Rockets, they do, it's not just North American players, players from Europe do come. What is, um, say, there's a young Kiwi player listening. And their dream is to play in that level. How would they, like, what is that pathway there for them? Like, how would you suggest they go about trying to achieve that dream? Good question. So I think I think that with the NZIHL season and the, the junior league season kind of running during North American summers, they have a, an opportunity from, I think, about September to April or May to perhaps m- move overseas and play ice hockey over there because as far as I know, there are, are no leagues kind of operating during that time in New Zealand with the exception of some recreational leagues. You would know better than I. But there are opportunities to play I know in Canada and the US, I can't speak for Europe, but if you do dream about playing in the WHL or one of the three uh, leagues under the CHL umbrella, it would be in your best interest to play as much hockey as you can. And if that means you have to move overseas for a couple of years to Canada or wherever to play in some lower level junior leagues, that's what you're going to have to do in order to uh, to get better, to develop. The more you play, the more you'll get better. The more access you have to coaching, you're going to get better. And the more that you are seen by perhaps scouts or just kind of being in that area, it's going to help your chances because I know there's a saying kind of out of sight, out of mind. If you're not kind of out there and in the middle of it, how are they going to know perhaps who you are? No, that's a fair, fair point because, uh, I mean, quite recently um, at the Crowd Goes Wild, we had Stephen Adams on the show and he set up a similar thing, uh, like a Pathways program for the sort of more elite high school basketball players because he's like, you know, NBA scouts and college scouts, they're not going to look at New Zealand. So it's about, yeah, I guess heading out there. Um but yeah, with Kelowna, let's say like the Ice Blacks, they're playing in Mexico next year. Um, last time we pl- uh, 
there was a tournament in that part of the world. The team actually did a training camp in Calgary. How stoked would you be if uh, the Icebacks were like, hey, can we come to Kelowna and do our training camp there? I would love that. That would be... Actually, I think um, myself and a couple of the guys on the Swarm who were in the Ice Blacks, we chatted about that one day, about whether that would be a possibility. And if they were for real about that, and I would definitely do my best to make that happen because that would be incredible to to host the Ice Blacks and get to see some of the guys again. I would love that. And, uh, yeah, let's... Let's make it happen, Ice Blacks. Ice Blacks and Kelowna uh, Rockets. Could they? Could they play each other? <laughs> oh, that that would be a tough one. Um, I don't know if if that would be allowed. I'm sure we could figure something out though. Maybe like Kelowna alumni, maybe. Ah, uh, there is an alumni group. We can definitely make that happen. Because <laughs> there are some interesting players that have come from the. Obviously, you know. You've got the likes of like Leon Dreisaitl and um, now you've got like Helen Foote, who is the son of uh, Colorado great Adam Foote. Uh, you know, he was selected, uh, he was 14th overall in the uh, 2017 draft. Um, he's off to a really cool start to his career. Um, so what do you think it takes for someone from Kelowna to go from that level to then try and progress through to the AHL and perhaps the NHL? You have to be ready to be a pro before you actually play pro. So what I'm talking about is you, it's not enough to just go out in the WHL and be the best player. You have to carry yourself like a professional off the ice. So that's, that means being clean cut, taking care of yourself in terms of nutrition, exercise, recovery you have to be studying the game and then you obviously you have to be a a great player in the whl but you also need to be able to play hard so i'm talking about competing in front of the net competing in the corners for pucks because when these guys move up to the next level that's kind of that's where I would say guys either move on to the next step, which would be the NHL, or they stay in the NHL. It's how hard you want to compete because everyone is essentially fighting for their livelihood. There are contracts on the line. People are trying to support their families. So that would be the biggest difference. And and of course, you need to be able to bring your level of speed up because what I've heard from former players is that at the WHL level, you get the puck, you probably have about half a second to make a play. When you go to the American League, you cut that in half. And then when you go to the NHL, you cut that in half again. So you need to know what you're going to do with the puck before you get it. And that comes from studying the game and learning where pockets and openings are on the ice so a lot of this has to do with being a pro before you actually become a pro speaking of like hockey sense there who on the botany swarm do you think probably has the best Mm. give me a moment that's that's actually a really good question 
Because there are obviously, there are some players there, like in New Zealand, um, let's say the likes of Paris Hyde, that do read the game really well. But I'm sure there's got to be someone in Botany as well. I'm only going to talk about Kiwi players. I'm going to say Remy Sandoy. And I say that because I think you can teach hockey sense. And there were some things that we really worked on this year. Uh, that as the season progressed, I really saw him executing. And those are the small rewards for me as a coach when players are able to execute those small things away from the puck that people do not notice. But when you talk about hockey sense, those are kind of the things that as a coach you were trying to teach and you hope that your players execute, and he was really doing that. Nice. Remy? Like, <laughs> I do. I wonder, like, what the what Botany did to like, steal him from the Admirals. Um, but yeah, it seems like he's doing really well. Um, with the, obviously the time difference and the distance between Auckland and uh, Canada, has it been hard to stay connected with, you know, the coaching stuff back with the Rockets during your time here? Yeah, I would say a little bit for sure. Um, for some reason, I don't know why, when we first arrived here and we set up our phones, I, I got kind of a travel SIM card. I could not make calls or texts to anyone who didn't have an iPhone in Kelowna for some reason. So that was tough. So that kind of uh, dropped our general manager and our head coach and uh one of our other assistant coaches from the equation. So I had to end up communicating with Chris, our other assistant coach through Facebook messenger, our head coach and general manager through email. And then I was able to talk with our goalie coach through uh, text, but also Facebook messenger. So, and obviously the time difference was uh, a bit of a struggle too, especially for my dad. I woke up this morning and I saw that he had called me at 2.35 a.m. I've been here for almost four months. Figure out the time difference, man. <laughs> so at uh, 2.35 a.m. here, what would that be uh, back home? That would be 2.35. Let's see. I think that would be about 8 p.m. the day prior where he lives in Ontario. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now, obviously, it's you know whirlwind trip for you, really. Uh, um, you know, you came down here to learn more about coaching yourself with the the All Blacks team, uh, which you know, by the sounds of it, if you listen to uh, our previous podcast with Travis, um, we talked a lot about that. That sounded like an awesome experience, and I would definitely definitely recommend anyone to do that if you're coaching. You get that opportunity, take it because. Uh, I mean, obviously, All Blacks are world-renowned for success. But you, with your trip here, you're going, you're leaving tomorrow. When you get back to Kelowna, and straight back into it with the Rockets, because you've got the rookie camp just about to start. And during those camps with those new players, like, what are you typically looking for in those players and prospects? Well, I'm not looking for anything because we have a saying in Kelowna: uh, "Coaches coach." managers manage trainers train so basically during the rookie camp it's it's the responsibility of our management group and scouts to identify which players would be best suited to continue with our group 
into our main training camp. Obviously, we we have a, a great collection of our uh, previous year's draft picks at the rookie camp. So a lot of those guys are already going to be advancing to our main training camp. But what our scouts are looking for are kind of those players who weren't drafted, those kind of diamonds in the rough guys that we potentially could take along with us into main training camp and perhaps some exhibition games to see if they could provide value. Uh, Me, Chris, Jason, and Adam, the coaching staff, we kind of come into play during main training camp because that's when we actually hit the ice, start teaching how we want the team to play. Whereas in rookie camp, it's a lot of just watching games and seeing if there's anyone who stands out but again not step on anyone's toes leave that to the management because managers manage (laughs) yeah i saw um that the rockets are actually bidding to be the host city for the 2020 memorial cup um let's just say let's say you're still with the team at the time like who knows where you are in like two years time really but what would it mean to you to not only compete in such a prestigious tournament again but to have it in your own backyard it would mean a lot it's it's such a interesting experience i remember being at it in 2015 with the rockets when we unfortunately lost in overtime to uh, oshawa in the final and it's it's kind of an experience like no other because you just spent basically two full months battling it out in your own league for your league championship and then you get to you then you have to play another kind of tournament where at least three of those teams are very very battered bruised and tired so and the coaches are also very tired because you spend a lot of time pouring over video and preparing game plans so everyone within each group is very tired and you're just running on fumes adrenaline and a desire to win that like kind of granddaddy of them all you've already won your own league but there's still one more prize left on the line so but aside from that there's all there's all the extra uh kind of event type activities that are going on you get to eat great meals you get to go to these kind of fairs that they have outside the uh, arena where they have all the nhl uh, individual award trophies and the the yeah the the coolest part would be to actually sleep in your own bed at night rather than spend an additional two weeks in a hotel when you've already spent like a hundred nights in a hotel throughout the season that would be like the best part and having it in Kelowna would be amazing not only for our team but for other teams because to me in my experience there is no better place to play hockey in the spring than Kelowna because it is beautiful yeah, you said that before that, I mean, you love New Zealand, but you've got a, you know, Kelowna has a special place in your heart. So how hard are you finding it to leave here? Very. I, if there, if there was uh, hockey that actually had, I guess, paid positions, I would live here, no doubt. I love this place. This country is beautiful. The people are so kind so generous everyone has made us feel so comfortable here i feel like i have a group of 
lifelong mates. There you go. I'm using <laughs> down slang. under slang. But yeah, I could definitely see myself living here. I wanted this. I always wanted to come here. It was at the top of my bucket list for a holiday. And I got so much more than that. I had an opportunity with the All Blacks. I had the amazing opportunity with the Swarm and ice hockey in New Zealand while also getting to travel around and see this great country. Yeah, I could definitely live here for sure. <laughs> I mean, we'd love to have you back. Um, but just, uh, I've just got a couple of, two more questions before we wrap it up here. With, um, obviously, the WHL is all kind of geared to, get those players ready for pro it's all run in a very professional manner of course the nzhl down here it's a lot different um one yeah there's only five teams and it's all like it is amateur but say i mean there are a few people i get including myself we're trying really hard to make it seem as professional as possible for an amateur league so uh i guess you know what are your kind of do you think the NZHL has the potential to go, say, at least semi-pro. Yes, absolutely. I think, like you, there are a, f- a few more people who are are trying and willing to make this as professional as possible. Just speaking about the Swarm, we really did our best to make our group as professional as a team as possible. And you know, some of those things include wearing our number ones, so our suits to, to games, uh, having team meals together as a group uh, when we traveled on the road. I'm not sure if teams are already doing this, but if you're not, I would highly suggest kind of bringing it up to that level. To me, there's nothing better than seeing a player walk into the game with his bag stra- bag over his shoulder and he's wearing a suit. It says to me he's all business and he's going to do a job. Whereas if you walk into a rink and you just kind of have on a pair of uh, sweatpants and a hoodie and a, and a cap, that looks to me like you're just going to play a, a rec game of hockey. So uh, for all the teams, if you could bring it up to that level, I think that's a great start. Eat all your meals together as a team. Plan it accordingly. And yes, I do believe that this league could get to a semi-professional level. Let's add another team in Wellington. Let's get a rink there. Six teams would make it all the better. It would increase the number of games from 16 to 20 automatically, I believe. And then from there, there's a couple other minor pieces that can be added or uh, adjusted. Let's And yeah, let's do it. I think it's possible because there are people like you who definitely could bring this level to a semi-professional level who are some uh, um who are some of the other people uh you know just let's just give some props here who are some of the other people that you have identified that are trying their hardest and their darndest to really build ice hockey in new zealand oh okay uh well i'm not i won't talk anymore about well i'll i'll give grant a little shout out because I think he's done a t- from what I've learned. He's already have, has done a ton to get ice hockey off the ground in New Zealand, and I think the the NZHL in New Zealand ice hockey is still reaping the re- rewards of what he has done to kind of start it off. And I know he's still very involved in it. Two other guys that kind of stand out to me 
number one is Darren Blong. I had an opportunity to spend some quality time with him through throughout my months here. Um, and he wanted to use me as a coaching resource. He invited me to attend a number of uh, his Bantam League training sessions where I would go out and kind of coach him and his other coaches as to what skills should be focused on, how the training sessions should be organized. He's a guy to me who is really keen to bring the level of New Zealand ice hockey coaches up. I'm not sure if New Zealand ice hockey has kind of a coach mentor right now, but he would be the ideal candidate for it because he's the best coach I've encountered in the country for developing players. He has it going on. He, he travels to Canada once a year to kind of make himself better and upskill his coaching ability. I know he's played with the Ice Blacks and the Admirals. So he has a strong background and roots here. I think a lot of people know who he is. He's the one to follow in my eyes. The other guy I'd like to briefly mention, and I never spent a lot of time with him, but I just want to thank uh, Tim Ratcliffe of the Admirals because when I took over the uh, general manager position with the Swarm, I didn't really know what I was getting into, what it entailed, and one of those things was helping the setup of uh, Spark Arena between our two teams. And fortunately for me, Tim spearheaded a lot of that. He helped me a lot. So, uh, yeah, just a little shout out to him because without his professionalism and his help, I don't think a lot of that would have been possible. And I just think that whenever we played each other, he was one of the first guys to always come say hi, always want to chat and speak about how his team is doing or wondering how our team is doing. So, yeah, great guy. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, I do see him around the rink a lot on game days for the Admirals. He does a lot for West Auckland. Um, lastly, it is a dream job of mine to work for a sports team. I know I work in sports media, so that's cool as well. But my, I would really love to work specifically, obviously, for a hockey team. So are there any media jobs going out at Kelowna? Yeah, we well, are you are you in for an unpaid internship for <laughs> 8 weeks? We have we do two 8 week, I think they're 8 week uh internships in the second half of the season. So if you want to come out to Kelowna for 8 weeks and run all of our uh website and social media and interviews, come on out. I'll make sure it happens. Because I I know I've said this before, I think I, I tweeted it, but folks in New Zealand, if you see Logan at the rink, make sure you stop by and thank him for what he does because I've only been here a short time, but the coverage that this league gets from a person who does not do this as a full-time job is nothing short of incredible. So great job, Logan. I do wish it was my full-time job. Uh, that would be amazing. I just wish hockey in New Zealand could be full-time, to be honest. But um, thank you so much, Travis, for coming back on, coming to New Zealand, and just, you know, in the short four months you've been here, just the impact you've had. I mean, a lot of us, we've all seen it. So, yeah, just thank you, and I hope you come back sometime. I cannot wait to come back again. Whenever that is, I can't wait because I loved it here. 
thanks for having me on. And I'm really sorry to hear what happened to your childhood hero, Goldberg. <laughs> Park yeah, it's New Zealand's home for hockey. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or with your favorite podcast app for the latest episodes. Follow the team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Puck Year NZ. And for your fix of hockey news, go to puckyear.nz. Yeah.